Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adam Ruins Everything, the podcast. I am your host, Adam Conover. You may also know me as the host of Adam Ruins Everything on True TV, and you can find clips and full episodes of that show at truetv.com slash Everything and the Watch True TV app. But hey, you're listening to the podcast right now. What do we do on the podcast? Well, on this show, I talk to researchers, journalists, academics, experts from around the world about the work they do and why it is so fascinating and important and why it's going to blow your mind when you hear about it. Today's guest is Jessica Huseman, who appeared on our TV episode, Adam Ruins the Economy. She is a reporter at the nonprofit journalism outlet ProPublica, and she is going to talk to us about taxes. Now, I know that sounds boring. I know you hate taxes and you hate filing them every year. But what if I told you that taxes don't have to be that complicated and that brutal to do? There is a better way and there is a fascinating reason why we don't have that better way in America today. Jessica is one of the reporters who broke that story for ProPublica. We are so excited to have her join us today from New York. Let's get right to the interview. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. So let's let's just start from the beginning. I think when we, you know, as Americans think about our taxes, this is one of those things that is part of American cultural, you know, government social life that we don't really think about and question that often. We do our taxes. We all hate doing our taxes. A lot of us spend a lot of money to have mm-hmm. our taxes done for us because they're, it's so complicated that it has to be done by a professional um, you know, but we're sort of used to this rhythm of life where we, you know, you fill out the one form when you uh, start uh, work and then you have your, you know, they send you returns and you have to collect all the documents and you put them together and you have to get it done by, you know, the spe- special date in April or else, you know, you're in a rush, yada, yada, or you go use the online thing. We've got it managed for the most part, but we never question, is there a better way to do this? And it turns out that there is. Oh, there is a much better way to do it. At least there's a much easier way. I don't know if uh, anybody will ever be jazzed about paying taxes, but it, le- right. it could at least be a lot easier for sure. And let's and let's just before we say go into this, I got a lot of responses to our segment about this on the on the web. Mm-hmm. People saying, "Well, the real problem with taxation is taxation is theft, and the government shouldn't be taxing you at all." <laughs> and da da da. And I just want to say, this conversation we're not addressing that part of it about what the government does with the taxes or how much they're taxing us or anything like that. We can have that debate a different day. But no matter what your sort of position is on those policy questions, uh, we are all invested in having a tax system that doesn't unduly burden people and right. uh, is, you know, efficient and effective, right? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think that a lot of the way that, you know, that we think about taxes and that we do taxes even exacerbates this level of inequality in the United States because the people who really benefit from this system, not even about like taxes, like I'm not talking about the things you're taxed for, the things you're not taxed for, the amount you pay, like the way we do taxes exacerbates this this huge inequality because the people who can afford to pay really good accountants and don't have to spend a lot of time themselves doing their taxes uh, are the people who have a lot of money. And the people who really are suffering because of the system that's very complicated and our taxes are such a burden are the people who can't afford to pay somebody from H&R Block to do their taxes for them every year. Um, so this system hurts the people who can't afford to to use the workarounds everybody else can. 
Right. And and what we're talking about is the process by which you, quote, do your taxes, right? right. The fact that you have to fill out a tax return mm-hmm. that essentially there's this long form and, you know, you have to plug all the numbers into it. Uh, you know, you have to do your tax return uh, so that you calculate how much you owe the government and then you send it into them and then there's a chance that they check your work and if you screw it up, they say, you know, uh, okay, now you're in trouble and you have to pay even more or you can, you know, even uh, suffer legal penalties, etc. The alternative system that a lot of countries use is called return-free filing. Can you break down what that is for us? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, the government already knows pretty much what you owe. Um, And they know that because banks give the government information and your employer gives the government information. I mean, if you are the type of person that, like most Americans, has like one job or maybe one job and one part-time job, um, then – and everything's above board and you're not working for yourself, then the government probably knows exactly how much money you have in your bank account and they probably know exactly how much money your employer is paying you. And so – if those if those things are true, then the government can just tell you how much you owe. And so in these systems, they would just send you a form that says, here's how much we think that you owe us. And then you can look that over and you can say, actually, you know, I went to a conference this year or I had these business expenses. So here are my receipts. So I'm going to write this much off. But yeah, this is what I owe. And I'll write a check and I'll mail it back. Um, and so that allows the government to sort of do most of the footwork for you. And so instead of taking five days or five hours to do your taxes, it could be five minutes. Right. And this is just them doing the busy work of the mm-hmm. bureaucracy, right? This is like right. when you have to, you know, your your company sends you all of your 1099s and your mm-hmm. W-2s and you have to keep them in your special manila folder and then you take them out and you punch them all in and right. then you, you know, say, okay, oh, I hope I didn't miss one because, you know, then I'll be in trouble and all of that kind of thing. That's all information the government already has because the employers are already reporting that exact information to the government. Right, exactly. I mean, so, you know, when I, before I started working at ProPublica, I did a lot of freelance work. And so, at the, so my taxes were always really annoying because I would take all of these, you know, federal tax forms that the various places that I'd worked for had given me all year long. And maybe there were like 20 of them. And I was having to plug all these in. And I was super worried that like, maybe in March of last year, I did a freelance project for $1,500 that I'm not accounting for. And I've forgotten about. But what's silly about that is that the people who send me those those tax forms at the end of every year uh, are also sending that exact same information to the government. And the government is already compiling it. So the idea that I had to do it again for the government was so annoying for me um, when the government could just tell me what it already knows. Um, like the taxpayer in this system is incredibly disadvantaged because we're trying to kind of guess what the government knows about us and doesn't know about us. And it's really strange. And everybody talks about getting audited, but who knows if it ever happens. And, you know, it could be it could be so much simpler and the government could just be more forthcoming with the information that they already have about us. But we've set up this system um, that's much more opaque and puts the taxpayer at a disadvantage. Right. The the you know comparison I make is like, look, the government is you know, uh, looked at on, uh, you know, through one lens, a it's charging you money for a service, right? Or it's it's the one that wants you to pay. Why doesn't it present you with the bill? Why do you have to do all the math yourself and, uh, you know, pay some? Uh, honestly, you know, I, I used to be a freelancer as well, you know, in my earlier comedy days. And yeah, I would have income from 10 different sources. I'd have to uh, call, you know, my all my previous addresses to make sure no W, you know, no 1099s were sent there you know, by mistake, et cetera. And I also, you know, because it was complex, I, you know, I was paying, I don't know, $700 to an accountant to uh, handle it all for me because of, uh, of how complex that was. Like, so I'm paying for the privilege of having a bill put together when the government could just be presenting us with, you know, it could be making it easy, easy for us. Right, exactly. And, you know, I mean, And all of the people that we pay to do these things for us have a vested interest in keeping it this complicated, right? So like the the people that you pay to use the software for to – do your taxes like TurboTax and, and H&R Block, like they're spending millions and millions of dollars every year to keep this system how it is. Like they right. 
financially benefit from taxes being confusing. And so as long as that is true, right, as long as this entire billion-dollar industry revolves around our taxes being complicated – it, I mean, they have a they have an interest in in pumping money into politics to keep it that way, right? And that's the next that that's the next whole part of this because right. those companies are, my understanding, is a big part of the reason why we don't have this simpler system. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, most most other you know countries, or at least many many other countries that we would consider the United States as peers, like Germany, Japan, the United Kingdom, those all have return-free filing, right? Right. I mean, and, you know, and the United States could certainly set up uh, its own system of return-free filing. And, in fact, one of the reasons that we do not have return-free filing is because these big tax companies have banded together to make sure that the United States can't have that. Um and so the, because they're pumping so many millions of dollars into politics and they keep this agreement with the government alive, the United States actually cannot create its own system of return-free filing. Um, they're, they're barred from doing so under law right now. Wow. So tell us, tell us how, they, how that happened and, and how, they, you know, how they go about exerting this pressure. Sure. So there, in 2003, um, the government <laughs> entered into an agreement with a group of what I believe is now 13 tax preparation services that are broadly called the Free File Alliance. And they decided that as long as the Free File Alliance, which includes companies like H&R Block and Intuit, which produces TurboTax, as long as they offered free filing services for two-thirds of the tax-paying public, then the United States would not offer its own system of free tax filing. That if these private companies did it for did it for the government, then like, hey, why do we need to offer our own? We might as well just let these companies do it for free. We don't have to set up a system to do it. That sounds great. I mean, and in theory, it does sound great, right? Yeah, like, that that if, doesn't sound bad at all. I mean, Free File Alliance, that's a great name. We want to mm-hmm. file for free. And, you know, it's a public-private partnership that's that, that sort of gets together a nice big, you know, political cross-section of people who like the public sector, people who like the private sector. Right. And it's, like, efficient because you've got those efficient business people helping us, you know, uh, helping the American people file their taxes more easily. That that I mean, I could see a world in which that works out great. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, people love to talk about public-private partnerships and how efficient they could be. And if we could just use the, you know, altruistic nature of the government and the efficiency of private companies, then, like, what a world we could have. But <laughs> that is, is, especially in this case, just not at all realistic. So the IRS, which sort of facilitates this free file program, spends exactly zero dollars advertising it. Um, so even though it is two-thirds of the taxpaying public, which right now is everybody who makes $60,000 a year or less, um, even though everybody in that bracket qualifies for this, only 2% of people who paid taxes last year use this program. And it's because nobody knows about it. Nobody knows that you can file your taxes for free using one of these companies that is that is charging you money. And the companies do not proactively advertise it. It's not like when you get onto TurboTax's website and you choose to pay $62 or whatever it is to use their software that they say, hey, do you make less than $62,000 a year? If so, this could be free. They never say that to you. Uh, and it's never... It's never put on a tax form or anything. You never get a form from the IRS that says, no. hey, go use this system that we partnered with, you know, Intuit Nation, our block to make. Uh, it's just there, there's no awareness of it. There is no awareness at all. I mean, and then there's there's like a website, but you have to kind of seek it out specifically. Um, it's it's very it's very boggled. And then also they each company only takes a certain cross-section of the population and those change every year. So you might have used the free file service last year through TurboTax, but this year you have to do it through another company, another free agency. Um, and they don't have any of your historical information, so you've got to type that all in again. Meanwhile, you get an email from TurboTax saying, hey, we did your taxes last year. We've still got all your information. If you want to pay us $50, we'll do your taxes again this year. And you might just throw up your hands and say, fine, like I'll just pay you this year. So 
in a certain way, like this gives them the ability to upsell you later. Like if you use their free product this year, then next year, maybe it's not the same company that's serving your bracket of individuals and you've got to use another one. But hey, that company from last year just sent me an email saying it's only $50. So why not? I'll just like choose not to do my taxes for free this year, even though I'm legally entitled to do so. Uh, so, um, so why it's aren't, why doesn't the IRS advertise this because uh, you know I've I've seen government you know the government advertise its services before I remember when they remember when those that freecreditreport.com site was really big and had had that commercial mm-hmm. all those commercials with the guy with the guitar singing eventually the government right. which offered its own free credit report that was less scammy than that one put out you know advertised oh go to it was like a less pop a, a mm-hmm. less uh, a less catchy tune because it was written by the government and had a worse performer but you know it was like go to annualcreditreport.gov <laughs> or whatever to get your you know to get the public version of this that isn't gonna you know mess with you uh etc i i've seen them do such things uh, why aren't they right. advertising it in this case yeah, that's a really good question. I have no idea. I mean, they mm. allocate no budget for it. And I think, you know, I I postulate that one of the reasons is is a reason that, you know, stymies a lot of lawmakers that try to make systems more efficient, which is that there is no massive demand for this because people don't realize that it could be better. Huh. Um, and so, you know, it's really difficult if you're a lawmaker to, like, take something away from people, right? Like, right now we're going through this huge debate over whether or not we should eliminate Obamacare and people are pissed as hell and they do not want you to take this thing that they have away from them. But when Obamacare was trying to, like, get implemented, people were like, I don't know if I want that, right? It's harder to give things to people than it is to take them away. Mm. And so I think, you know, because people aren't going to get jazzed about something that they've never had. People aren't going to demand something that they don't really understand. If they have it and then you try to take it away, they'll freak out. But we've never had this, right? Like there's no overwhelming public interest in like having a system of free returns. Yeah, because Um, it's just the concept is kind of foreign to us because we just it's just again that really embedded oh this is the way things are this is the way you do your taxes hey the two things you can never avoid death and taxes it sucks but you got to do it there's no no one's sitting around going ah i wish taxes were you know eat were took less time and i have a way to do it they just it's just not it's i mean it's not a topic i had ever thought of until uh uh it was brought to me in our writers room right you know and i think that the polling right now um, suggest that people don't really care about tax reform either. You know, the Republicans are trying to trying to reform taxes, and you know they like to say this thing about how well taxes should be so simple you can do it on a postcard. Um, I mean, one a return free file would be literally on a postcard, so <laughs> there's an option. But you know, that's an aside. I guess right now, you know, polls suggest that only like one third of the public thinks that tax reform should be a top issue of discussion. People care a lot about the tax cuts that they're entitled to, but they don't care about overall tax reform. And so what this system would be really is like a big move to reform taxes. And people just for whatever reason are not are not that riled up about this. So getting back to the what the Free File Alliance offers, this free system that they offer, is it just a matter of advertising or, you know, and, you know, that's the only problem. And, hey, if you go, you could now that you know about it, people listening to this, go use it. And, hey, it's hunky dory Mm -hmm. and it's a great system or or is it, you know, is it well implemented or not? You know, I mean, it's it's as well implemented as as the software is and the software is the way that it is because our taxes are so complicated. Mm. So even if you do have this free access to the software, you're still going to have to spend several hours like trying to figure out what you owe and trying to figure out what number to type into what box, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, I mean, really, this the problem is twofold. Like, one, we must like these these companies don't advertise their free services and then two our tax system is so complicated that even the free services are a pain in the ass so you know i think i think that the free file system or the return free filing system would solve both issues but um but definitely i mean you're still dealing with the complications of taxes once everything shakes out and you do get a free a free opportunity and so uh, have has there been a real effort in the united states to implement a return free file system and and you know is this something that uh, if so are the tax preparation companies trying to stop it or right so i mean 
there have been a couple of movements. Like Bernie talked about this on the campaign trail. Uh, Hillary Clinton mentioned it for a little while. Um, Elizabeth Sanders tried to pass a bill last year that would have implemented return free filing. Her office put out this pretty compelling 30, like it was like a 35 page report kind of detailing um, a lot of what we found in our reporting and then also some just more interesting detail about the history of the people who've attempted to pass return free filing and failed. Um, and so every time that a bill comes through that would, that would do something like this. The tax companies lobby heavily against it. I mean, H&R Block last year spent $3 million lobbying, and a lot of that was addressed at efforts that would have reformed our tax system in this way. Um, and the other thing is that every couple of years, the Free File Alliance's agreement with the government has to be extended. Um, and they call them like free file bills, um, and, and they purport to help people file their taxes for free, which, as you and I have discussed, seems great on paper. And so these bills that that continue the Free File Alliance's agreement with the government um, traditionally have something like 60 co-sponsors from both parties. Wow. Because if you and, – and, and those co-sponsors are often given um, – a lot of money by people who work for these tax preparation companies every year in the form of political donations. And because on face, it sounds great, right? Like, if you don't know that there is another option, the idea that these for-profit companies want to do work for free for two-thirds of the American taxpaying public, that sounds great. And that's something that you can say to your constituents. And if your constituents don't know that there is a better option, then they probably think that you're doing a really excellent thing. And it may be that these representatives don't realize that what they're doing is just maintaining this very confusing system of tax preparation. But that's what it It is. It doesn't sound as though these companies are actually providing free services to two-thirds of the American public. and They are certainly not. And what are they getting in return out of this arrangement? What they're getting in return is the government promises that it will not offer its own system of return-free filing. Uh. Um, And the companies are actually terrified of that. If you take a look at the quarterly reports um, from these companies, all of them list the government providing its own tax preparation as a huge threat to their to their business. So in Intuit's quarterly filings, every quarter, they say the biggest threat to the continuation of our business is the government producing its own system of return for Right, because this is a company that its business is based around it solving a problem for you that the government created by being opaque and crappy like governments often are. Exactly. And so if the government were to actually step up and improve itself as we would want it to as, mm-hmm. you know, taxpayers, uh, then the then the uh, annoying obstacle that Intuit is solving goes away and, and you don't have to pay them anymore to solve it. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and so, you know, if if the government did this, the these tax preparation companies would probably not do very well after that because our taxes would be so much more easy to do. Um, and, and they're really afraid of that. And so they have every interest in keeping um, keeping their lobbying going. Um, and I think that they will as long as as long as these agreements exist. Yeah, I'm also so struck by the fact that this is. This is, you know, this is both parties are are sort of complicit in this problem, right? Like this is not uh, a matter of uh, uh, Republican Democrat differences in tax policy. Th- this is a matter of these companies successfully lobbying the entire government. Right, exactly. And, you know, I mean, part of it is money and part of it is that their message is on face really, really good. So, I mean, some of the people who have sponsored these bills have not gotten a meaningful amount of money from these companies or from their employees. Um, but because they have this message that's like, we really want to help your attack, like your constituents and we really want to help you pay, like help them pay their taxes for free, um, they that's something they can take home and they can say to their constituents, like, look what I've done to make your life easier. Um, and so, I mean, it's a great message. It's just in practice preventing an even better solution. Well, I'm here talking to Jessica Huseman from ProPublica. We'll be back in just a moment. So please stick around. What's up? I'm James, the co-host of Minority Corner. And look at that. I'm a the other co-host of Minority Corner. Girl, guess what? What? We just hit our 100th episode. What? 
And what do you think is going to be in store for the next 100? Probably some more feuds with Jennifer Hudson. And I'm telling you, I'm We'll probably do more investigative reporting, too, like we did with the Kodak and their racist film. Not to mention exposing the truth, like how we did with the ugly history of the Texas Rangers. But we always lighten the mood with a splash of pop culture. Olivia Pope's new wig. Have you seen that? It's popping. Just like your lip gloss. And Janet Jackson. And you know we like to put our nerd glasses on and talk about things like Marvel. It's true. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't speak about DC. (laughs) But you just did. What? All from a perspective that's black, queer, and ladylike. So come on over and learn, laugh, and play, and join the corner. It's a lot of fun. I'm having fun right now. (laughs) (laughs) Minority Corner. Welcome back to Adam Ruins Everything, the podcast. I'm here talking to ProPublica reporter Jessica Huseman about taxes. Now, now, what are the ramifications of this? Because from, you know, from my point of view, you know, my my perspective as a, you know, middle class person, uh, you know, hey, OK, I could have an easier system. It, it, you know, is annoying once a year. I have to pay, you know, a couple hundred bucks to my accountant. But, hey, it doesn't you know, it's not that high on my list of of, you know, terrible problems in America today for me. It's not as bad as my as my struggles with my health insurer or anything like that. Um, But, you you know, how does this uh, affect Americans? Why should we care about this? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize, first of all, how many people don't actually do their taxes every year. Um, And the people who are not doing their taxes every year are generally uh, not the people who are like embezzling or or trying to not pay their taxes because they owe a lot of money. Like actually there are thousands of people every year who don't get a tax return, like don't get money back from the government because they didn't file their taxes uh. because you can't get a tax return until you file. Um, and they don't send you, you know, they take money out of your paycheck uh, in income taxes every paycheck. And sometimes people are paying too much and they don't realize it until the end of the year. And so they get money back. But you can't get that money back until you file. Um, but under this system, you would just get it back um, because the government wouldn't ask you to take that initial step of filing. Um, so there's that. And, you know, I think that there's also just an inherent value in, in making and like making people worry less about the fact that they're not like they didn't screw up on their taxes. You know, I mean, like the first time I ever filed my own taxes when I was like 19 and in college and had this job that I now to file taxes for and that my dad wasn't going to like do for me. um, I like freaked out a little bit. Like I made almost no money. But there was this like deep worry that I'd done something wrong and was going to get like arrested in the street, which obviously (laughs) doesn't happen, you know, but um, but I think that removing that worry from people would be great. Um, and then I also think that um, this would just make it would make it easier to do taxes and the government would would get more people to do it. But I also think that it gives you as a taxpayer a lot more power um, to know what the government knows about you, um, which I think is inherently valuable. And, you know, I think that this is a really interesting point because, you know, it's not just these massive tax preparation companies that don't want this to happen. There's also this sort of like libertarian conservative strand of people who tell their, you know, their listeners that this is a bad idea because this would be a big government move, right? Like the government shouldn't tell you what you owe the government, that you should tell the government what you owe. But that's like not actually reality. Like you're not telling the government what you owe. Like if you're wrong, the government will tell you that. (laughs) And so – like the the idea that like you're setting your own price for this good is is false to begin with but the system that they're advocating also means that you as the taxpayer have no idea what the government knows about you, which to me seems entirely contradictory to the idea that we don't want big government. Like if I'm somebody who wants to control what the government can do about like to me and about me, then I want to know everything that the government knows. And this system where they tell you what they know that you owe the government is exa- is doing exactly that. And is also predicate like their complaints are also predicated on the idea that this is a firm price, that like you can't argue with the government 
once it tells you what you owe. But that's not at all true, right? This system would be entirely voluntary. So you could still use a tax preparation company Mm. of your own if you wanted to. And also, when the government sends you that bill, they're not taking into account your business expenses, for example. So you would – or your charitable contributions or whatever. So you would still be able to take those receipts that you've been saving all year long and do those write-offs and then send it back to the government. Um, they're just, so this they're just isn't giving like you a the final gross thing. bill and then you make all your right. you make all your adjustments to try to get that number down. Right, exactly. I mean, like, think about the system we have now. It's bananas. Like, it makes no sense at all. The The idea that, like, this is like the equivalent of, like, me going into the grocery store to buy a cantaloupe and then going up to the front of the counter and being like, here's the cantaloupe. Let me guess as to what I think the price is based on 18 different factors. And if I'm wrong, you get to fine me. That's crazy. So, you know, it, it would be much different. Like, in this system, you would, you know, you get to go to the counter and they'd be like, the cantaloupe costs this much. And you'd be like, OK, but wait, I have these three coupons. Right. And then they would take that price off the top. So, you know, I mean, I, I the system, the more you think about the way that taxes are done in this country, I think, like, the crazier it seems. Right. Um, I, it, I, I mean, I, yeah. I get the intuitive thing at first if you're like, hey, I'm the one doing my taxes. I don't want the government, you know, sending me a bill. I want to send them a bill. I get how there's an intuitive argument there. But once you look at it, you know, people sort of have this fantasy that they can sort of beat the IRS through that means. And, and you can't. Uh, and actually, one of the reasons you can't is because you you don't have all the information and they do. And they if they audit you. They have a lot more information. And so if they're sending you the information that they have, that gives you more power in the situation. I understand your argument there. It it also seems like if you're a tax hawk, if you're someone who says – and I totally understand this point of view, um, you know, who I think taxes should be as low as possible. I think the government is ripping off the American people and, you know, the less taxes we can pay, the better. Well, then you should be in favor of changing it so that millions of people aren't leaving taxes on uh, aren't leaving the refunds on the table every year, which is what's happening now, because there are, there are definitely so many people who are not doing their taxes simply because the system is complicated. I, there's a, a crew member on our show show who I talked to. Uh, I won't reveal what department she works in, so it was not to out her, but you know, I was talking to her. She was like, Adam, I haven't paid taxes in five years. And I was like, what? And she's like, I don't know. I'm in my 20s. I didn't, no one ever told me how, and I and I panicked, and I didn't do it, and, and now I'm in the hole, and I got to go to my accountant, and you know, I'm, uh, and now we're working it out, etc. But some of those years, she was probably entitled to a refund because, you know, she, she wasn't making that much money, and she had business expenses that she wasn't doing. Um, and so that's money that she was getting taken out of her paycheck that she wasn't receiving the refund for because the government was making her fill out all the forms to extract the refund. You should, if you want the money, if you want the government to not be taking your money unlawfully, then you should be in favor of a system where the government is automatically refunding you that money. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. That is so true. And like, I, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I don't know giving away some negative information about myself for some reason <laughs> right now. But like the, um, you know, I did my taxes when I was like 19 and when I was 20. And then I started dating the guy that I am now married to around then. And he is such a nerd. Like he's a huge, like he just loves numbers. And so he's done my taxes for me every year since I was like 21 years old. <laughs> and I like, there is a huge part of me that like knows that like if he didn't take that over and like, just like get a real sense of joy out of like typing numbers into a computer that like maybe I wouldn't have done my taxes right. <laughs> and I, and it's because it's so complicated like I just remember sitting around like I'd like spread all of my receipts out on the floor of this crappy apartment I lived in and I was like trying to figure it all out and like I had no idea what I was looking at and it was so overwhelming and I totally understand the impulse just to like not deal with it and so in this system like it would just make it easier for everyone and you wouldn't have to be like oh like I'm 26 years old I haven't paid taxes in five years like do I hire an accountant? Yeah. Am I going to get like audited? What's happening? Like none of that would happen. It's just amazing how little. I mean, beyond return free filing, which I I think probably I'm hoping most people who listen to this agree. Like, oh yeah, that sounds better than what we have today. But even beyond that, it's stunning how little 
support we provide uh, the average American citizen in learning or understanding how to do this thing that is a requirement of being an American citizen. I mean, I went to an American public school. It was a it was a good school. We had I remember social studies and civics classes. I don't remember a, a unit of any class where my teacher was like, this is what a W-2 looks like. This is a W-4. On April, you're going to want to, you know, talk to a CPA. And, you know, like no one even sort of prepped you on how to do this. So when it was time to – I just remember like, yeah, when I started earning, earning money, I was like, well, do I – wait, do I have to do this now? What what happens? Even the, for, even the experience of my first grocery store job and there's that little box and it says how many exemptions are you going to claim one, oh two, God, or exempt? Yeah. And I had no idea – even what the words, you know, accompanying the instructions on how to do that meant. And we we make, you know, I was terrified about writing. Do I write a one or a zero? What what do I do? What's going to happen to me if I if I write the wrong one in? Um, and just we offer no support or education on this issue whatsoever. We just leave people to fend for themselves, which is bizarre and obviously leads to People who, you know, can't afford to wasting money or uh, getting built by shitty accountants or leaving money on the table when they should have received a refund. Right, exactly. And, you know, there are all of these like seedy little businesses that pop up to serve, you know, under-resourced individuals, uh. um, you know, they, like all of these like tables at Walmart for people were like, we'll do your taxes for free. Or, you know, these people running around in like Statue of Liberty costumes advertising on the side of the road um, for like free tax preparation services. Um, and, you know, those do some of those do serve a valuable purpose. But a lot of those places like people go in thinking that it's going to be free. But what they actually do is like they take a huge chunk of your tax return. Uh. Some of of them takes your take your whole tax return just like in exchange for doing your taxes for you. And so a lot of this this system that we've set up that so disadvantages people because we have no transparency and it's so difficult to do um be, like it allows predatory businesses to pop up around this to take advantage of this system. And I think that that's one of the more sort of insidious things about this is that it is so ingrained into our psyche that like this like taxes just suck and like they will always suck and there's no way around it. This is just the system that no one's really motivated to make it different um, because they don't realize that it doesn't have to be this way. Um, I think it's just like that we've just blanket accepted that taxes are bad. And so anything associated with them, of course, is bad. But that's not at all true. Yeah, I. You know, it's one of those things where I often ask my guests, hey, what can we do about this, about this issue? Um, but I think in this case, it's pretty clear, which is that our main problem is we have a failure of imagination. We don't realize that things could be so much better than they than they are. There's this there's this system we could have that people are using all across the world uh, that's very rational and, you know, clearly more efficient and better. And we just need to like inform ourselves about it and raise awareness like among our friends and family and just be like it could be better everybody so the, the next it time could. someone comes along trying to pitch you know the next the next pol- the next senator who tries to champion this cause will actually have a constituency who's like oh yeah i've heard of this i want it <laughs> right exactly and you know and i think that there's also this other sort of weird side of american politics where like we just assume that every action that the government takes on our behalf is going to be incompetent. And like a lot of the time that's right, I think. But yeah. like, you know, I think that this idea that like we don't want the government to do things for us and we don't want big government prevents good solutions that the government actually could exist to provide. Like this isn't the government creating a whole system of health care, right? This isn't the government rehauling America's public schools. This is the government making it easier for you to pay a bill to the government, <laughs> yeah. right? Like this is the government cannot function unless we pay taxes. And the idea that the government shouldn't recreate the system by which we pay it to make it easier because we don't like the 
government is crazy. Yeah, this is pretty. Um, this is pretty low hanging fruit. I mean, even, right? This is e- low hanging. Even the grocery store, you know, like learned to, uh, you know, like install credit card readers so we could pay them faster. You know, it's like the kind of reform that's that you know uh, every company is motivated to, uh, uh, you know, I- improve the system by which we pay them. You would think the government would be too. Yeah, like you said, it's not like creating some new social program. This is just like, hey, let's pay the bill with less with less fuss. Right. You know, and it's funny because <laughs> I this obviously is, was a thrilling experience, but I was at the National Association of Secretaries of State conference in Indianapolis <laughs> over the summer, um, which are the, you know, that's the kind of thing I do for fun. But the the state of Arkansas, which is a pretty conservative place, like my family is from Arkansas and like, I know Arkansas. And I was surprised when Arkansas stood up and they presented this app and they were like, look at how easy we've made it for people to like pay their property tax bill and renew their um, and renew their motor vehicle registration and all this. They had this little app that like you could put your information into and it would tell you sort of like when bills needed to be paid and they offered you quick options to do that. And I don't think the app is done yet. But I just thought like that is a that is genius. Like if I lived in Arkansas, I would be all about this like really easy way for me to do all the things that I need to do as a citizen. And so that there's this like thing on the table for the federal government that was essentially be the same thing, which is like revolutionizing how you interact with the government in this really efficient way. And we're all sitting here freaking out about it. Meanwhile, like Arkansas just like built a phone app. Like that seems crazy to me. Yeah, so I, I'd love to talk about before we go. I first of all, I agree with you uh, that it sounds wonderful. Um, and God willing, one day we'll we'll reach the promised land of return free filing. But until then, I, I'd love to talk to you about uh, you're a reporter at ProPublica, um, and ProPublica is one of our favorite sources on the show. I'd love to talk to you about what you guys do there and how you went about reporting uh, this story. Can you just sum up what ProPublica is in a nutshell? Yeah. Um, so ProPublica is a nonprofit newsroom that does journalism in the public interest. And all, <laughs> and I feel like that sounds very flowery. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so we're a nonprofit, which means that we are entirely donor funded. Um, so unlike a lot of newsrooms, we don't make we don't advertise like we don't have advertisements on our website we do not make a profit every time you click on our headline um so we are not at all incentivized by you know clickbaity headlines because of our profit because of our business model um and we only do investigative journalism so ProPublica is not the place you're going to come for breaking news like we're not the ones live tweeting um hearings before the senate or um the president's state of the union address, um, we're digging a little bit deeper. Um, And one of the things that I really love about ProPublica is that we also partner with newsrooms across the country to help them do better investigative reporting as well. I'm working on a story right now with the Kansas City Star. Um, We've got partnership models all over the country. We've done really great work with the Houston Chronicle and the Texas Tribune. We've done things with Virginia Pilot. Um, We do work with local major dailies all over the country to help sort of push their newsrooms to do really excellent in-depth work. And it's because you guys do that work that we know about stories like this, right? I mean, you, 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 you are literally the ones sort of combing through the papers, running down the leads so that we understand that this is happening. I mean, uh, my understanding is this whole story about the Free File Alliance and their influence on government and, and you know, our, why we don't have return free filing. This is original reporting coming out of ProPublica, correct? Right. It is. And you know what? It takes a lot of time. I mean, like we're we're filing through lobbying reports that are filed with the Senate and the House. We're filing through campaign donation records with the FEC. Um, we're looking way back into the historical record to see who sponsored bills and what became of them and who voted for them and who voted against them. And all of that is public record and is in theory available to anyone. And and But the problem is that most reporters, because of the way that the media landscape 
is right now. Just they don't have time to do that. They're focused entirely on quick turnaround pieces um, to keep their site fresh and to keep clicks coming. And um, and I understand that. Like there's no like I have no ill will towards any journalist that's in that position because the you know the the internet swung a huge blow at traditional forms of journalism. Um, but the that ProPublica has the time. For to allow me to spend three weeks or four weeks digging into lobbying records and putting together spreadsheets of data to make my stories better is is a huge luxury that I'm really lucky to have. Right, well, and there's a place too for journalism that's like, hey, here's what the White House said today. Here's uh, being we're we're sort of enlarging the megaphone for news so you hear what's happening today. But you know, I mean, even in traditional papers, they don't always have the time or resources to run down every single one of these stories and you guys are a, a newsroom that was founded on okay we should you know investigative journalism is important it's something that we should be engaged in and it's and it's something that we want to support and make happen directly yeah and i think that that's true i mean like there is definitely a place for breaking news like the, and that should continue to happen um and but i think that the type of journalism that we're able to do takes a lot of time it takes a lot of money um it takes a lot of resources um and and not all newsrooms have those and ProPublica does and it's because we're this mission driven newsroom that is entirely dedicated to doing really excellent investigative work i mean you know i i right now have like three open public records lawsuits. Um, and I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't work in a newsroom that was as dedicated uh, to to investigative journalism as ProPublica is. So, you know, I think I think that places like ProPublica have a real role to play right now in the media landscape, which is that other papers can't afford to spend staff time or their resources on projects like this, but we can. Um, and I think that we do a really good job of it. Um, and, and we've grown a lot. Yeah. And we were founded in 2008 with just a few reporters. Um, and now we have about 100 employees, um, probably more at wow. this point. We've we've grown an incredible amount this year alone. Um, and I think it's because that there's this real need um, from people. Like, they, they really want to see in-depth in journalism. They, like, want the people that we vote for and the people that we give money to to be held accountable um, for the promises they make and to be held accountable to, to the law at a basic level. Um, and and we give that a lot of thought and a lot of energy. Now, and let me just ask you this uh, about journalism overall. I mean, I've really tracked how much your organization has grown and we use it constantly on the show. You guys are one of our, you know, first places to go to look at what new stories, you know, uh, we want to do on our show because your reporting is so thorough, your sourcing is so great. Um, and I know other organizations do the same. You know, I first became aware of your work because of, uh, you know, partnerships with This American Life and, and places like that um, on, uh, on stories. Um, and I know that you also partner with papers. Uh, that, you know, local newspapers will say, you know, we'll do a, a investigative report in, in conjunction or in connection with ProPublica. Um, do you think that this sort of nonprofit support for journalism, for this type of journalism, is going to, you know, is that a model that can give us as much investigative journalism as we need in this country? Or are you still concerned about the state of for-profit journalism, you know, uh, uh, and its decline? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a difficult question to answer. I am super concerned about the state of for-profit journalism. I think that, you know, every time I, I every time I advocate that people pay for news, which is something that I do a lot, right? Like, I think that even in a nonprofit world, we're still going to need people to give us money to do our work. Like, we're still going to need people to make donations. It doesn't all of a sudden make journalism free. Um, and so I think that the that the lack of inclination people have to pay for news just kind of spans the – like it just runs the gamut, right? Like if you're not willing to pay for news because you don't like the New York Times – 
or you don't like the Washington Post or you don't like the Dallas Morning News, like your willingness to give us $5 a month as a donation is probably also pretty low. So I think like it's kind of the the problem is is one and the same. I think every time I, you know, do a little tweet storm, which I often do about um, how people should pay for news um, and, you know, I get – there are always a few – mostly that's really well received, but there are always a few people who will tweet back something like, well, why could I, why should I pay for something that I can get for free? Mm. Like why should I pay for the Wall Street Journal when I can just like go to this blog that gives me the same information? Um, and I think that that's really a pretty – like that's a pretty shitty way to view the world. Um, <laughs> but like – also, I think that you're paying – like, you get what you pay for. Right. You know what I mean? Like, people are so mad now that, like, the news is so cheap and we're so run by clicks and we're so and, – and that, you know, there are all these blogs giving fake news. And I think that if we don't all decide that, like, we want journalism to be good and we decide to – make it good by paying for it, that none of these problems will be solved. I think that nonprofit journalism makes it easier to do good reporting because we can rely on, you know, people who feel really strongly that this is good. Like, you can't just go give $10,000 to the New York Times. Like, all you can really do is, like, take out an advertisement. But if you don't own a company that, like, you need to advertise for, why would you do that? Or you could pay $5 a month for a subscription. It makes it easier for us to take people who are really interested in this and allow them a place to, like, give us lots of money because that's how nonprofits work. So in that sense, like, I think the business model is is better geared towards we're able to take bigger donations from a fewer from a smaller number of people, whereas the for-profit model is relies on lots of people buying ads or lots of people buying subscriptions. So I think the business model is better suited towards long-term um, you know, success. But I think that the problem remains the same, which is that the United States needs to decide that journalism is valuable and then we need to decide that it's valuable enough to pay even like three dollars a month right. to access Th- those. This services. reminds me of one of our experts on the internet last year who works at uh, MIT described the decision to have content on the internet being you know entirely free with ad support as being the original sin of the internet that led to our current landscape where the news feels so shallow and so click driven um, because we haven't you know decided that it's something to pay for and, and in response to that I've I myself have you know subscribed to a couple papers and I I also support ProPublica monthly. Um, because, uh, you know, I'm trying to, yeah, get back to that frame of mind where like, hey, this is, you know, I, it, it is that value of you get what you pay for. And, and uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to say, OK, that, you know, this kind of journalism uh, is something that uh, th- that is uh, worth paying for. And I try and then I also try to read it after I pay for it. You right. know, I get the Sunday yeah, LA Times I, and I try to like, OK, I'm going to I am going to try to read it rather than looking at Twitter on my phone. And and some Sundays I'm successful, but uh uh, I, I'm hoping that this uh, current landscape of journalism being incredibly devalued, that, you know, people are coming to their senses about it and, and that we're going to sort of, you know, the, the disruptive environment that we're in is is going to, uh, you know, something new is going to rise from the ashes that has a stronger form of journalism behind it. And, and I just feel that, you know, what you guys are doing there at, at ProPublica is a uh, is one of the things that gives me hope uh, <laughs> in that. Well, in that I really appreciate future, that. So. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a stressful time to be a journalist right now. Um, But I think that one thing that I that I constantly look at as a bit of a as a bit of a bright future is that I've had more people in the last six months ask me for recommendations about where they should give their money um, to journalists, like where that what they should subscribe to and who they should donate to than I ever have. Um, And so I think that there is a real I think there's a real push by lots of people to give money. And I think honestly, um, and maybe this is because I also host the ProPublica podcast that I'm like super attuned to this. But I think that the culture of podcasting has actually really bolstered that because a lot of podcasts will be like, if you want to support this podcast, go to this place. And so I think people have started to realize that like the content they consume actually costs money to make. Um, and so I think that there's this like this tie in between people like listening to podcasts and supporting podcasts and also being like, Oh, well, if I give $5 a month to Gastropod podcast, <laughs> then maybe I should give $5 a month to ProPublica. Yes. Um, and I think that that's really interesting. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jessica. Yeah, thanks so much. 
Well, thank you once again to Jessica for coming on the show. And that is it for Adam Ruins Everything, the podcast. We will be back in just two weeks, so please tune in then. Our producer is Shara Morris. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. You can also follow me on Twitter at, at Adam Conover, And you can find clips and full episodes of Adam Ruins Everything, the TV show, at truetv.com slash Adam Ruins Everything and the Watch True TV app. Until then, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.